Legends of the world, welcome back to another episode of Cam and Jord. How are you, Brown Dog? Hello, Big Jugs. Going well, thank you, mate. Um, had a pretty good morning. Had a pretty rough day yesterday, but I, I'm back on the horse today. <laughs> I'm, uh, How are you feeling this morning? Yeah, yeah. After a sleep and and uh, a bit of time to reflect, after <laughs> a couple of car issues yesterday, we've sorted out this morning. Uh, had a had a pretty nice run this morning with the new wheels. So yeah, back on track, feeling good. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> we'll uh, unpack that another day, maybe. <laughs> so so today's episode, I think today's episode we're going to focus on the business side of things, Brownie. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We're going to touch base on um, obviously what's been happening with us in the background with uh, COVID. We've had a little bit of more little bit more time to uh, delve into the summit series. Um, you know, if you probably asked us three or four months ago, uh, we would have been hopeful we'd be out outdoors training now. Um, but, you know, things happen for a reason and, and it's allowed us to spend a little bit more time fine tuning the summit series. So we're going to sort of break that down and, and sort of have a chat um, around how we're taking that stuff in, how we're starting to apply that. Um, and then maybe just some questions or, or some theories we're coming up with along the way. Yeah, awesome. That sounds really good. Before we delve into that, let's talk a little bit about our marathon training. Mm, absolutely. Um, it's so we're, yeah, we're now at the stage where the novelty is well and truly worn off. <laughs> and the daily, we're up to 60 kilometers this week. So we're hitting the point where every day you just run five kilometers means the next day you're going to have to run further. So it's starting to, to build up on the, on the legs. How are your legs traveling? No good. (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, I've been having a couple of knee issues, um, but I'm trying to find some ways around that. So obviously we bought the new wheels, which was highly recommended Mm. by any kind of long distance runner online to have some pretty good shoes. So we've gone with some Hocker, um we've got some clifton edge uh if that means anything to anyone out there we've gone with some my peak colors orange uh blue and black so i went for yeah. running this morning um and yeah they uh they're like running on a trampoline it's awesome yeah it's like you've got a cushion underneath your foot isn't it it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant yeah. and, and i've adopted the knee brace as well um so I've been running with a knee brace on for a couple of runs now. Um, the knee brace design just to make sure everyone that sees you when you're running know that you're a big dog. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> I'm not running in tracksuit pants. So I'm running in short shorts to make sure everyone knows that. Oh my gosh, this guy obviously runs some K's if he's wearing a knee brace. <laughs> That's brilliant. Alex, um, Alex. Kirkham wants to send us a message. He loves the Cam and Jordan. Yeah, yeah, he's a good man. He's on fire. I hope he's listening to this thinking, what an absolute legend. Um, we touched our, we hit our furthest distance last week too. We hit 25 kilometers. So pretty much we'll do a 30 kilometer in a couple of weeks. But other than that, it's about as far as we're going to run until we run our marathon. Yeah, in other awesome news around the marathon, we've um, well and truly gone over our uh, fundraising goal. Mm. Um, thank you so yeah. much um, to everyone that's donated generously. Um, it's, um, yeah, yeah, really sort of humbling to see how quickly people jumped on board. We're still sort of five or six weeks out um, from the big run, which means that we can 
um, still pump some more funds through there if we can, which would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And even we're very grateful that we've reached that target, but we won't stop there. So keep those funds coming in. Um, hopefully we can get a few more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously like uh, the Insta page is in absolute full swing, big jugs. You've been doing mm. really well coming up with some new designs on the Canva. So um, any support obviously through that as well would be brilliant. We're sort of, uh, for those who are already sort of uh, following the Insta page, uh, really trying to, uh, I suppose, motivate, inspire, and sort of keep us accountable as well around our six areas of our holistic health. So, um, which is pretty much leading into today's um, chat around the Summit Series, which is obviously a holistic online program. Um, I suppose we start with, if we can break down um, the strength and conditioning side of that big jugs with, with Dina. Yeah, so... We're now four weeks in, so we're almost halfway through our first 10-week block, which is probably a little bit surprising how quickly it's actually gone, but absolutely loving it. Dino's been on, he's done every Tuesday, so he's done all four sessions with us. Um, He's been awesome, hasn't he? He's unpacked a few things that uh, sort of apply to all young cricketers out there, and now he's starting to delve into a few things that are even new to us as well. Yeah, I suppose... A lot of guys wouldn't know that that Dino is the strength and conditioning coach at the Sydney Thunder. Um, so he's certainly a guru with what he does. And Dino had a little bit to do with us when we were going through the programs. And it just shows your, your ignorance when, when you're young. Like you're just sort of in, mm. you're doing it. You don't really think too much about it. But to have someone like Dean um, sort of running us through our paces a few years ago, like it's, you know, that really lucky to sort of have him at such a young age and, and now sort of meeting up back with him. Now you really get to appreciate the knowledge he has. Yeah. Here's one for you, Brownie. So when I was studying sports science at uni, mm. there was one unit or well, struggle with a few units, but one unit in particular, I failed it twice. Oh wow! <laughs> so the unit was called exercise physiology and it was insanely hard. Like I think the first time I wouldn't have even passed if it was a 20% pass rate. <laughs> Like it was insane. Well, it turns out Dino lectures the masters of advanced exercise physiology. So he's teaching. So essentially, he's, he's teaching people's PhD in that unit. Yeah, That's yeah. A- so <laughs> I went on and did my masters, which I wouldn't even get into. And then within the masters, you can just do like the basic unit, but then you can do an advanced unit as well. He's lecturing the advanced unit. That's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It's unbelievable. So obviously, if if guys are from the Summit Series tuning in, like I think, you know, everyone knows we fill out our um, reflection sheet after a really good grateful would be to actually have access to Dino himself. Um, He's an absolute guru and and really starting to enjoy unpacking all of his knowledge. I suppose a few of the topics, big jugs that maybe we can even get some answers to around some of the things Dino was teaching our athletes was getting our high performance team together. Yeah. And that's, that was really interesting because it was one of the first sessions and it was like strength and conditioning week one. And most of the stuff you're talking about wasn't even like physical related. It was a lot of that stuff off the field that is a process or sort of a side effect from doing the physical stuff. Like he was talking about even youngsters out there, even if you don't, have an injury having you know a plan in place if there's an injury that does come up you know exactly what to do and 
and where to go. I thought that was that was really interesting for them. And like it's like Dino said, it's young players having access to the same things that elite cricketers, you know, that's what they do day to day, and you can do it as well. Yeah. I think the biggest thing I found that was interesting with Dino, like when I think about my high performance team, I didn't even consider half the things that he thought was a necessity on there. And, you know, mm. we've obviously been doing it for a little bit longer than some of the athletes on the summit series. So yeah, it, it's just funny how no matter sort of what age you are, you can always keep it relevant to, to you. So that was a really interesting one for me, you know, sort of um, rolling through in my head who I would have, who I'm reaching out to to make sure I'm, I'm continually performing. And that's not necessarily anyone that's helping directly with my on day or match day performance, but people that's helping me with my, my sort of my mentality during the week and, and just my social health in general. So yeah, very interesting one. I thought. Yeah. It was a good way to kick it off too, wasn't it? Like the kids were probably all online expecting exercise programs and running and, gym and fitness and all that sort of stuff. And it, mm. I think it would have been a good way for the kids to sort of open their mind a little bit to about the, the stuff that's really important in the process of becoming a better cricketer and a better person for that, yeah. that no, matter too. Really good foundation, I thought. And then one that's probably obvious to a lot of people out there um, is the goal setting, um, mm. actually having a plan, um, actually <clears throat> having something you're pushing yourself towards, trying to keep yourself accountable to achieve. Um, so I think, uh, an awesome stat, um, that a few of us would know now is that you're 44% more likely to achieve your goal if you write it down. So just having mm-hmm. it in your head, um, probably isn't good enough. Putting it somewhere, maybe you can see regularly, like on a whiteboard or, or in a diary or a journal that you look at all the time, not just a bit of paper that you scrunch up and throw off in your drawer again, um, something you can continually go back to and have a look. Yeah, that's right. And that's, probably the main purpose of our reflection sheets post session too. It's exactly doing that and trying to do that. Every time you learn something new, writing it down is the first step in making sure it actually comes to reality. Mm. What sort of age did you begin to start writing your goals and stuff down? Big jugs. Mm. I reckon, I reckon it was definitely high school. It was probably year nine. I reckon year nine and 10. Once I started to, Oh, maybe a fraction earlier once I was playing rep cricket, maybe. So, yeah, year eight, year nine, I reckon. What about you? Yeah, I reckon probably a fraction later, probably year 10, I reckon, mm. when we started to do um, sort of like PDHP and pass a little bit more seriously. Mm. Um, probably started to jump on uh, board a bit more full on there. But I think for me, post school was probably the time where I really started to to um, break down the goals too, not just write sort of some dreams down and maybe some unrealistic goals, but really start to have some smaller goals leading to that major goal. Yeah, that's right. And when I started doing them, it would have been very (laughs) brief or very uh, not very structured goal setting. And then over time, like anything, the more you do it and the more you start to understand the benefits of it, then you start to do it a a little bit more often and a little bit more... Uh, thought process behind the the actual writing down of the goals too interesting if we could get our hands on some of our old goals we've written down would you have a, a journal where you would have them in nah there? i've never had a journal ever mm. i'm yeah i normally just write it down on something and then throw it out later on it's a it's a good idea though 
yeah, something we can start doing now for sure and look back um, a few years later and see if we're starting to achieve those goals. Mm. Um, what else have we got here? We've got sort of things that we broke down um, sort of with the fundamental movements that Dino's talking about that are important for athletes to focus on in, in early stages of their development. Yeah, there's one of the most common questions I think rolling through the chat during the summit series was always, where do I start? And we'll get in that question from youngsters that have never been exposed to things like the summit series content, but also I reckon a few questions were coming from people that were already doing this stuff without even thinking about it. And they're probably <clears throat> undertaking, you know, some of those fundamental movements and improving themselves without even the knowledge that what they're doing is benefited them. If that sort of makes sense. Mm. I think the other big thing that Dino is trying to touch on too is understanding the structure and the technique of the movements as well. I mm. think one thing that a lot of young athletes and, and even guys our age are seeing at the moment is influences all over, whether it be Instagram or TikTok and of, of these guys lifting and moving huge amounts of weight. Um, mm. A lot of people like to try and replicate those, but might not necessarily have the correct technique to do so. So getting fed, obviously, um, the correct technique and, and movements and structure from Dino is perfect for these guys to have that foundation to then, you know, eventually start to move that big weight correctly down the track. Yeah. I remember, I don't know if you were there, Brownie It's either 17s or might've been 19s and Dino was actually teaching us how to like clean and you would start with like a hang clean and if you couldn't get the movement right, you would never process to the clean. So there were some blokes just doing yeah. like hang pulls yep. for like six months. Yeah. And I just remember Dino saying how, even though it's not a, you know, a clean's a much more beneficial exercise than a hang pull, how the hang pull for that person at that particular time in their journey is going to be far more beneficial than, you know, rushing that stage and, going to a clean and hoping that it works out or assuming that it's going to work out when it's, when it's not going to, cause they haven't got the, either the strength or the technique to get to that stage yet. Mm, for sure. I think the other thing that was really great that Dino sort of gave some clarity around something that we've probably been doing for the past oh, three, four or five years now down, down at Kev's is sort of having that push pull aspect um, and then sort of a lower half, uh, uh, sort of like leg day as well. Um, mm. I mean, there's, there's probably a lot of uh, ways you can complicate in the gym, um, especially, again, with all the different exercises we see from the influencers online. But when it's coming to athletic performance and, and even more specific cricket, we don't need to be doing all those intricate little movements that we see on, on, um, on the social media sites. Yeah, those big powerful compound movements are well it's pretty much all we do now isn't it brownie it's mm. it forms the basis of what we do because it's so transferable and we'll talk about that in a second how i, <clears throat> I thought when dino put up that he put up like a what was it a supercar like or some yes. type of racing car and said you could have the most powerful engine in the world but if you haven't got anyone to drive it it's no good to you and i thought that was perfect like you could be doing all these exercises but they have to be able to be transferred into whatever environment you're trying to transfer it into whether it's cricket or outside of cricket or anything in between probably super relatable to some of the 
athletes around that 13 to 15 or 16 years old who are starting to develop into these bodies that they don't quite have control of yet. I remember seeing my brother um, who was much taller than me. He sort of around 13 or 14 had this huge growth spurt. Um, Mm -hmm. Essentially his engine was huge. He was so much more powerful. He was so much faster hitting the ball harder, but he just didn't know how to use his body yet. Um, Mm. So yeah, it's totally true. It doesn't matter how sort of strong and powerful you are. If you can't do it correctly, there's no point in having it. Mm. And sometimes, particularly at that age, the best things to do aren't always the most exciting. Mm. Like you'd love to be able to do some of the exercises that we were just talking about earlier. But for you at that stage, sometimes you see something as boring, but just knowing, again, like anything, knowing that the patience to do it over and over again is going to reap you know, the benefits further on. Mm. What do you think Dino would say if he came to a Kevin Chevelle session and Kev told Dino he's going to squat for five minutes straight with 50 kilos on his back? I'd love to see that. How did, what did you say that day you said that? Really? You have to ask John Fay. What was the story? John obviously tells it really well. I think yeah. um, it was actually a time where we were both pretty heavily, heavily invested in the sessions. And I remember leading up to um that particular day we had been squatting unbelievable amounts yeah what it was was we were trying to improve our 5k row and 5k day is always on a thursday and for anyone out there that's done exercise before normally two days after your exercise is when it hits the hardest so tuesday's session always Mm. dictated how you're going to row on your thursday and for a while, Kev was just smashing us with so many squats, like high, 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 high repetition reps. squats. Yeah. And we were just praying that one day he'd pull out the stopwatch and just let us squat for 30 seconds or even 45 seconds. We can get out of there a bit fresher for our Thursday uh, row day and try and hit a PB. And this one day, <laughs> Kev comes walking over with his stopwatch. He swings it around. It around too. His, yeah, swings, swings it around, around his fingers. <laughs> And Brownie got so excited and he's given big fist pumps. And it was there wasn't many there that day. And John was standing right next to us. And Geordie lets out a big year beauty. And then Kev goes, All right, grab your bars. We're squatting for five minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was. And then, but we thought we were done. We thought we were done. And he told us there was a round two. So on we went again. Yeah, that's right. It yeah. was. It was two five, five I think minutes. it was 60 kilos on the bar too. Yeah, you've banged, you've, you, yeah. you ended up banging over 100 squats it, like without putting it down. And then we thought, yeah. oh, that's over. And he goes, all right, away we go again. Yeah. And then we certainly didn't do a PB on the Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, have to, uh, we'll have to ask Dino what his thoughts on that is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We obviously spoke about lockdown exercises, which I thought was really great um, for the athletes to see that there's multiple ways to be training. You know, you don't obviously don't need one thing that Dean, it was really interesting. A lot of the questions coming through the chat was like, what basic equipment do we need? What sort of stuff do we need to be working out? Dino was really good in his response to to say, look, you know, guys, like your body weight's just as good as anything else. Um, Yeah. You know, if you're doing it correctly, you, you can give yourself a proper workout just with your body weight. Yeah, something else you said that was interesting too is your body doesn't know what what it is that you're picking up. Like mm. it just knows how much it weighs. So you could pick up a two liter drink bottle, and your body doesn't know that it's a weird object in a weird shape and it shouldn't be used in the gym or whatever. It just knows that it's two kilos and 
you can start to use, you know, household items around the house that you wouldn't think about using, but it's it's not the exact same, but it's pretty much a, a like-for-like replacement. Yeah, absolutely. I just like the fact that Dino was happy to bring sort of a lockdown um, session into the Summit Series so these kids sort of can, or these athletes sort of know that there are sort of no excuses not to be doing anything. Like, I think it's a really important time to sort of use the time we've been given to maybe push ourselves, um, you know, a little bit harder than what we usually would. We've got a little bit more time. So who's not to say we can't sort of tick some goals now. Um, So I really like that Dino brought the whole idea around. Yes, it's lockdown. Yes, we can't necessarily get into the gym, but this is what we can do. Exactly. And some of the youngsters out there were lucky enough to send their videos in of them doing their exercises. And we had Dino, live on on summit series analyzing technique and and everyone sort of got to see what dino thought about the technique of each individual doing their exercise which was awesome and how quickly does he pick it up too yeah it's incredible the way he he goes okay i can just see this happening here and that happening there and then you go oh that's totally right couldn't even see yeah that. yeah he yeah uh, he's very good I suppose the other the other guru we've been lucky enough to have on is Mitchy Mitchy Woods. Um, mm-hmm. Mitch is obviously our uh, mental and emotional skills coach. Um, he's so so super passionate um, about the Summit Series. Um, mm. He's very invested. He, he he says he wouldn't rather be doing anything else. Is that right, Cam? Yeah. Well, is it Brownie? Did he did you get that last night? <laughs> Don't know, mate. Can you fill us in? Car troubles. <laughs> car troubles kept me from getting on the summit series last night, which was very disappointing from my end. I, I love Mitchie's sessions. I'm huge on our meditation stuff on Thursday, so it was uh, heart wrenching not to be there. <laughs> it was hilarious last night. Well, it wasn't hilarious for you, but it was hilarious for us. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we're about to kick off, and Mitchie jumps on, and Mitchie sort of goes, "Where's Geordie?" And we said, oh, he's got car troubles. He's not going to make it tonight. And Mitchie's gone, I would love to get Brownie live on this chat right now and discuss his mental and emotional state for everyone to look at. And I think I it would have been a hell of an experience for him. I wouldn't have got any words. You know, It would have been a little bit of tears, a little bit of yelling and lots of swearing. <laughs> but, yeah, he said something post-session last night to Joshy and I that he could have taken a job, you know, in a different field, still in the mental, emotional side of it, but not in the sport industry. Mm. And he thought there's nothing else he'd rather be doing than working with young athletes out there with their mental and emotional state and giving them sort of access to things that when we were their age was, it wasn't even a thing really. Like you wouldn't even consider sitting down and doing some of the stuff that the kids on the summit series are lucky enough to be doing. Yeah. I think that, little story around Mitchie not taking that role speaks volumes around how important he thinks this stuff is for young athletes to know. Um, mm. You know, he's not necessarily chasing a higher status or maybe a, a higher source of income or whatever, but what he's chasing is feeding all that incredible knowledge he has to the, to the people that he's most passionate about. And that's mm. so exciting, obviously for, for guys like you, me and Joshua sort of running my peak at the moment to see the guys that we've got involved to do our work uh are so on board with it mm, mm, absolutely so i suppose some of the things we've been rolling through with mitchy um stuff that 
not everyone's probably tried before. I know Cam hadn't done done much. I certainly hadn't done some of the some of the things that Mitch is sort of bringing in. But the meditation side of things, how are you finding that, Cam? I know we uh, Mitch sort of put us through our paces and sort of set some targets around doing it each and every day. How are you finding it? Yeah, it was a completely new experience for me. It was kind of good because it would have been new experience for the majority of the summit series there'd be a few on there that had done some stuff before, but for me, it was brand new. So I was going through a similar process to what all those young boys and girls on the summit series are doing as well. I'm finding that it was very challenging. Um, still is a little bit challenging, but it's like anything. And Mitchie speaks about it too, how meditating is a, you know, it's a habit and it's a skill. The more you do it, the better you get at it. And over time, if you're consistent with your approach, it just becomes a part of your routine. Mm. And I'm probably, I'm not quite at that stage yet, but hopefully I'm not too far away. What about you, Brendel? Yeah, what I really liked is is it was probably a little bit further down the track than when Minchie first spoke to us. But if he said, if you can do it for six weeks um, consistently, um, the changes you'll see will be dramatic. And I, yeah. think, I think, you know, for me, the way my personality works, I like to sort of see a finish line or like to have something to work towards. So having that six weeks and knowing in six weeks I can transform massively, um, that probably really helped with my consistency over the last couple yeah. of weeks, especially with, since he said that. So, um, Well, that's the same as when you go into the gym. Six weeks is when you see the benefit of or when you start to see visually the benefits of whatever you've been doing. Mm. And it's, you know, very relatable that that transfers over to the, the mind side of things as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess for those that might be curious or interested in doing some sort of meditation work, we can sort of give you a few little pointers that Mitch has been giving us. He sort of speaks heavily around, I mean, once you've sort of found your, your sort of calm spot, um, you know, whether it's somewhere quiet or somewhere where you, you sort of feel good, where your energy is good, you sort of want to go with five second effortless breaths. Um, Mitch sort of one thing that was surprising to Cam and I when he first spoke to us was that it's through the nose, out the nose. Um, mm. I don't know what you thought, but I was always through the nose, out the mouth. Yeah, that was, it was a new one. And for anyone out there listening, give it a crack too, because it's really, it's really good actually, <laughs> it <laughs> which is. isn't surprising considering Mitchie's recommending it, but it's like, and it's something that I used to do in my own game. Like if I was under pressure, I would always take a step back, big breath through the nose and then, I would like exhale the air through the mouth. And that was like my way of releasing whatever the feeling was. But the more we're learning from Mitchie, that starts to become a, you know, a hindrance on the performance. Like you're trying to avoid the situation rather than letting it um, come from within. And when you control it, when it's within you, like we're speaking about the other day, then it's much easier to have it on the outward direction too. So it was really interesting. Like when you actually exhale through the nose you can actually feel the breath inside your body and it sounds weird but everyone out there give it a go because it's it, it actually does work i was a critic when i first heard it as well but it actually does it's brilliant um uh, mitchie sort of goes on once you've sort of got those those breaths happening and you're starting to get a little bit of rhythm around those five seconds or if it's four seconds or whatever it is for each individual sort of just even even in and even out. Uh, he speaks about getting that heart and mind connection. How did you mm -hmm. how did how did you find that when Mitchie spoke about that? Because I've never 
tried this form of meditation before trying to connect the heart to the mind. Yeah, I've had a bit of background when I was at uni with that sort of the physiology of things, but the actual process of doing it was completely new. And like I just said, you can actually feel when you are breathing through your nose or out your nose, you actually do feel that connection. Mm. And Mitchie speaks very passionately and he's got a lot of uh, data or a lot of stats and a lot of statistics that back up his techniques and are using techniques that he's been using for 10 years and he's tracked his process. Remember when he showed us that chart of the last, he had a two year, um, yes. you know, two breathing. year, yeah, breathing. And the biggest, the difference just in the way he was breathing is unbelievable. Mm, yeah. His, his rhythm became a lot more consistent. He mm. was able to control his breathing. It was like he had such a better connection um, from heart to mind. Obviously the more you practice, the better you get at it, but seeing it visually, obviously you can't measure, we can't measure what we're doing in the meditation when we're doing it. So to actually see the chart of, of Mitchie's breathing um, a couple of years or down the track from when he first started, the difference is incredible. So it's really good to be able to see that and measure that. Mm, absolutely. Went on to talk about um, once we sort of had a few run, run throughs with uh, sort of, I suppose the foundation of the meditation um, he sort of looked to get us locking into to an emotion. Mm, that's right. He <clears throat> did that last night with the. Did you do that last night, Brandy? He did, I know he did it the week before. <laughs> yeah, he did it again last night. He um, he's very he likes uh, the youngsters out there to pick a feeling like of you know a happy feeling or a caring or a loving feeling, and sort of. Towards the back end of the 10 minutes, he likes the youngsters to try and connect with that feeling. Mm. And it's like Mitchie and I were talking about it post-session, actually. It's something that I try and do with my cricket coaching. It's like when you're batting, you know, even the technique side of things, when you do something good, you want to try and connect with what you did well so you can try and do it again. Mm, and it's exactly what he's doing with his breathing. It's like thinking back to moments when you were happy, uh, thinking about a time where you were successful on the sporting field or something that happened off the sporting field and you're trying to connect with that that feeling and, you know, try and bring that to life a little bit more often. Mm, absolutely. Connecting to the moment. Um, yeah. Such an, such an important part of, of what we're trying to mm. do. Not necessarily run away from the moment or try and change the moment, but connecting to it, appreciating it for what it is um trying to understand uh what you can do in that in that moment to be successful not so much trying to disconnect from it but allowing it to happen and being in control yeah it, it's really it's really interesting after four weeks mm. the, the amount of stuff that you learn and you start to put into practice um can't wait to see what it's like sort of another six weeks from now and and how much it sort of changes <clears throat> um i don't know the way we're performing in everyday life whether it's on the sporting field or, or in the gym or just when you're communicating with people are we going to be calmer are we going to be more appreciative are we going to be more connected to the moment it'll be interesting to see absolutely he told he had one of the youngsters asked a cracking question last night about people putting pressure on him and you know mum and dad and coach brother sister teammates are always putting pressure on him to score runs or win matches for his team 
and Mitchie got him on and they had this like five minute discussion about how he feels in and what he goes through. And it was unbelievable. Mitchie took him back to his days when he was growing up playing backyard cricket with his older brother. And he's the young fellow was on there telling everyone he used to smack his older brother around the backyard and his older brother would get angry and try about bounces <laughs> and he would hit him further. And it was great how Mitchie took him back to a time where he was, you know, exactly like we said, when he was happy, when he was being successful. Mm. And then I was reading that young fella's reflection sheet and it was his second session with us. And that's exactly what he wrote down. I want to start to appreciate the good things in cricket instead of always putting the pressure on myself to perform, which was pretty, uh, pretty amazing for one, one young star, not too sure how old he is, but he's two sessions in and he's already starting to connect on that level. Yeah. I suppose people that aren't involved in the summit series that are hopefully tuning in now, like it'd be really good. Like we'd love to challenge you guys to, setting six weeks up and, and if you can try and get this breathing or all this meditation happening for six weeks, um, even if people would roll through some of their feedback, like, you know, a month or six weeks down the track on, on how it sort of changed them, it'd be cool to get some, some data coming in around, is it improving? Is it, is it helping? So um, yeah, that'd be awesome if, if that was the case. Mm, uh, absolutely. The, the last component component of the summit series is our own. Mm. Got the boys. Yeah, cr- cricket, cricket awareness, and and some strategies and and tactics and things like that, um, which is really great. I mean, ultimately, the, what we're doing, even though we are approaching it from a holistic point of view, like we are cricketers and and we are trying to get better at that game. So um, it was really great for us to jump on uh, last Thursday and and sort of run through a couple of different scenarios. I think um, the first one was really interesting and. Uh, for those listening that don't play cricket, it'd be really good to sort of <clears throat> try and think of it from your point of view around trying to trying to uh, think of an athlete um, that you sort of um, model yourself off, um, what you've got in common with them and what don't you have in common with them. And usually what you won't have in common um, are probably the reasons why they're at the level they are and sort of we're not. Exactly. We were... I compared, <laughs> I compared myself to Moses Henriquez, mm. who, as anyone that knows me, knows that I rate him quite highly. I think he's the most underrated cricketer in, or in Australian cricket and close to world cricket. And it was awesome. We gave an example to the kids out there. And when we first dropped the question on them, you could tell they were just throwing out their favourite cricketers, like big names that they love to watch. But then... The more we started to talk, the more they started to connect with the cricketer that they love to watch still, but plays in a similar way to what they play. And again, like reading the answers post-series, it was great to see how they started to absorb the information and then actually talk about they're going to go out. And some of them probably didn't have a player in mind, but now next time the cricket's on TV, they'll start to hopefully watch cricket a little bit different to what they used to. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's good to know that although there aren't um, many limitations in what you can achieve in sport, I mean, if you're like me and you're five foot seven, you're probably not looking at someone like LeBron James thinking, hmm, we're pretty similar. I might play in the NBA one day. So it's it's important, like, like Josh, you said, like, you know, it's probably not ideal if um, opening bowlers are sort of saying, yeah, like I really love to sort of compare myself to David Warner. Like you sort of want to make sure that it's very relevant to you. Inky. 
Yeah. Why would you choose David Warner, brother? Yeah, Switch on, man. I went to. I just went to the that top sucks. of the order. Went to the top of the order, and that was the first name. That you came must. Up. I thought you said you were feeling good this morning. You must still be rattled. <laughs> David um, Warner. All right, I'll say Aaron Finch. He's he's a good man, Aaron Finch. <laughs> so he might be like a bowler though. <laughs> he might have to. <laughs> But no, no, that was a, a, a really great session and, and something that probably, again, helped me like um, when sort of we started to come up with the program structure. Um, obviously, we run through it first and it's really interesting to sort of dive into it, into it myself. And I can definitely highlight some areas where probably, well, definitely lacking and, and, and know those areas to improve on. And then going back and using those things that Dino and Mitchie told us, um, you can start to hopefully get a little bit closer to, to bridging the gap to those, those uh, elite players. Mm, yeah. Then the second part of the <clears throat> sort of series on that night was we actually, or we didn't, Joshy put together a match scorecard. Mm. So he knocked up like this fake game of cricket and had this sort of circumstance or scenario where I think it was one team had, what was it? Four overs to go. They needed 26 runs. They had seven wickets in hand. And then we were asking all sorts of questions about what people were doing, situations, whether it was we had two batters in, one bloke was Johnny Johnson was 60 not out of 30 pellets or something. Mm. Another bloke, uh, James, just come in fresh, three balls, four not out or something. And, you know, the team bowling hadn't bowled their best two bowlers, uh, full overs. So it was really good. And I think if anything, like, we're just trying to teach them to take a step back and try and absorb a little bit more information before they do make decisions because you could tell straight away all the kids that the chat that night was humming mm. because they were seeing it and just going bang, 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 bang. But hopefully next time before they throw an answer out, they just take a step back, take a deep breath out mm. through the nose and, um, yeah, and start to implement things from – a point of view that takes into consideration a lot more circumstances in the game. Yeah. I think the main thing I took from it was interesting, right? Like so much in elite sport, people can get obviously very critical around the way people make decisions. Um, mm. You know, it's very easy to blame the captain for not choosing the decision that ultimately could have won them the game or wouldn't lose them the game. But one thing we found was that there were so many ways to, to play out the remainder of that game. Um, mm. and you obviously as a, as a captain or as a bowler or a batter, you're going to make the decision that you think's best. And, um, you know, even though there was three ways you could do it, you know, you obviously can't try it three different times. So I think it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's one of those things where there's ne not necessarily a, a wrong answer. They might've just not summed up the conditions or the tactics best on the day. So I think, yeah, it, it can be really interesting to see how critical people can get, but even putting ourselves in that small scenario, I was like, whoa, like there's so many decisions here. No wonder, you know, at fast pace mm -hmm. with, you know, 30,000 people watching and, and another couple of mil million on TV. It's very easy. Yeah. Very and a easy microphone to... in your ear with the commentators talking yeah. to you. So yeah. easy to, to probably, you know, do exactly what uh, the opposite of what Mitchie says. And you try and get out of the moment and you're not appreciating it. And you're not thinking clearly enough. So no, it was, it was definitely one of those, I suppose, you know, very, very, uh, I know I haven't done too much captaining at, at a high level, but it's definitely humbling to know, well, you know, you're not always going to make the right decision because there's so many decisions that could be right. Mm, mm, that's a good point. 
And it'd be interesting if you got, say, the best, say, if you got the top four captains in world cricket into the one room, who would the top four captains be? That's a good question. That's uh, a very good question. Would Tim Payne be in world top four captains? Don't think so. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. I, I think Tim Payne, he strikes me as an excellent leader. Um, he, I think mm-hmm. he leads the crew well. Tactically, I don't know. Are we allowed to choose captains before or, or is that? No, they've got to be playing right now. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd, I'd probably choose Virat. He'd have to be in my in my top four. Mm. Um, do you like the way Virat captains? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I mean, if you talk about people leading leading by example, I think I think with someone with the pressure um, from the nation that he would get, mm. he does a, a pretty excellent job and Sometimes his passion comes out as, as aggression towards his teammates. And, you know, mm. you can see that however you like. But I think that's just his raw passion coming over the top in some frustration sometimes when you've got mm. a billion people on your shoulders back in India, you know, hoping you win this match. I, I can understand his passion and frustration at times. So, yeah, he, he's definitely in my top four. I think Kane mm. Williamson's probably there as well. Um, for me, I think if you, look at, if you look at New Zealand as a population, um, they're significantly less than, than everyone else in world cricket. Um, you know, they won the test test championship. Um, yeah. He must be doing he's something. Definitely right. there. He must yeah. Be doing he's phenomenal. What, he's, what's your I reckon he's my number one. I love yeah. watching him. He's so calm too, like unbelievably calm. I think I'd have Tim Payne there. I think you've sold him a bit short. I like Tim Payne. Yeah. I know what, I know what you mean. Tactically, I'm um, not sure. Yeah. And it was interesting watching the test. Well, that was probably about 12 months ago now, wasn't it? Mm. And he often, you know, got challenged for his tactics, especially in that back end of that Ashes series when he did things. And, you know, it doesn't take a rocket science to work out that he wouldn't do that again next time. Mm. But just the fact that he admitted that he made the mistake and next time he's in that situation, he try not to make the mistake again. I think I think he's a good leader. He, Coming at a tough time, like Australian cricket was Absolutely. a nightmare when he took over. Absolutely. And for a guy that probably, well, he says it himself, that he didn't see himself in the team, let alone captain the team. I think he's done a phenomenal job. I would have Coley there, but I don't like the way that he, like you said, turns uh, snap, uh, snaps at players and yeah. things. I don't think. I certainly wouldn't like playing under him. That's what. That's the way I look at it. I would. Mm. I wouldn't want to play under him. Mm. Uh, but then, like, we don't know the Indian cricketer personality too. So it's a completely different yeah, personality than what we play on a Saturday as well. So you got to look at from that side. If you, he's actually struggling at the moment, Coley. He hasn't scored a run in ages. He'll come good. He's the best. He'll best. come good. He's just. He, like, they played last night, actually. If you want to base someone off all three formats, he's definitely the best in the world. Um, no, disagree. Who's better? Moses Henriquez. <laughs> and nah, who's like Moses Henriquez? Who's, who's like Steve. Moses Henriquez? You are, brother. Steve Smith and Steve Smith's better. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm saying if you want me to pick between Smith and Coley, I'm, t- I'm picking Smith. All right. I'm not going to argue with you because Smith's an excellent player too. Look, we, we could talk about cricket forever, but... Coley got 42 overnight. 42? Mm. Oh, well. He's, he's really struggling lately. That'll take his average up to about nine for the series. 
anyway, <laughs> we can't keep talking about cricket. We got it. We got to get some gratefuls happening. We could talk about cricket for hours. Gratefuls. <clears throat> yeah. So Coley's been. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> are we wrapping it up there? Are we? I was only halfway through. We are halfway through. Yeah. Nah, we've got to get to some gratefuls. All right. You go first because I always go first. I'll let you go before I steal all your answers this time. All right. No brainer for me. Uh, a few um, SOS calls last night. Um, <laughs> so very grateful for those that came to, to lend a hand on a couple of issues. Um, the new wheels are absolutely brilliant, like uh, jumping on a trampoline. Um, and today is the first day that I've set up the uh, new microphone for the podcast. So uh, hopefully... Woo! Hopefully, I'm a little bit clearer to, to the listeners today. Um, hopefully, my voice is uh, like Mitchie Woods, very calming. Uh, probably not so with the big Australian accent I've got. Uh, but they're my three today, big jugs. Yeah, nice. I was kind. I'll let you go first because I've got the same one. New wheels. We got, like we said earlier, the new coders. Is that what they're called? Or hockers or something? Hockers. What are they called? Hockers, yeah. yeah. They're brilliant. I've given them a test run. I don't think they'll make me run any faster, but the pain won't kick in as quickly as what it is at the moment. Uh, the second one's a summit series. We raised the bat during the week. We had to upgrade our subscription with Zoom because we are at capacity, which is a good problem to have. And the third one is, I hope I don't jinx this, but Nathan Cleary's returning tonight. Yes. The great man. Had the greatest player to ever play the game. I, oh, I said it. I had this conversation with uh, one of my uh, friends this morning who listens to the podcast, Laura. Uh, she's a Dragon supporter. Uh, you, know I, you know what I hit it with, Big Jugs? I said, you don't have to. Just tell her to tune in tonight. I said, I said, what do you reckon? 40 nil tonight? Question mark. And she said, yeah, it could be 40 nil. And I've given her the Big Jugs. I've gone, well, what about the second half? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she wasn't happy oh. yeah i can't wait to watch him hopefully he returns could be 80 now he might return via the bench i reckon that's my tip all right well regardless Except the listeners will be listening to this after the game so hopefully could be completely irrelevant regardless i think the panthers should be pretty safe tonight mm. all right crew hopefully we can get some uh, feedback on some meditation that would be awesome uh, we're going to keep kicking with ours. Um, have you got anything else to add, Big Jugs? No, all good from me, mate. Just have a great weekend. Go the puppos.